Welcome back to Wellness Wednesday with me, Siggy Helgeson. I'm really glad to be back with you to offer these stories from the pandemic. And together with some of my guests on this podcast, we're going to explore the varied experiences of individuals, couples, families, and teens through these interviews. We will hear on this podcast what we've experienced during the pandemic and what we've learned since about ourselves, others, the world, and God. Perhaps there was a time in your life during this past year and a half when you felt utterly helpless as there was nothing you could do to change your circumstances and you found yourself stuck at home, alone, and without a clue as to what was gonna happen next. Our next guest, Andrew Larson, shares about his stuck moment and what happened. Andrew has a unique perspective as he spent the first part of the pandemic in the Philippines. He is a program assistant in the area of justice, peace, and human rights with United Church of Christ. His focus is on issues around human rights violations, widespread violence of extrajudicial killings, and supporting imprisoned activists and their families in their pursuit of justice. So listen now to Andrew Larson as he talks about when hope is hard to find. Well, welcome, Andrew. We're just really so grateful that you were able to take the time today and share with us some of your um, pandemic story. And uh, I know that we met while you were in the Philippines um, on Zoom, and it was during the uh, uh, time when we were going through Advent, and we were doing a, a devotional study on hope. And it was just so great for you to to jump in on that, and um, uh, you were the the only male um, uh, and a young guy with all of us older women, and, and it was just great. We we loved having your perspective. So I'm I'm really glad to to have you here in person today, um, and uh, just tell us a little bit about um, kind of uh, bring us up to speed about what you've been doing and and a little bit about yourself. Yeah, it was uh, it was a great uh, little Zoom Advent Devo, so I'm glad that we can do something like this as well. Um, like I said, my name is Andrew Larson. Um, I've been in the Philippines the past year working with Global Ministries. Global Ministries is the joint mission of the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, and the United Church of Christ. And they work with their international partners, which are several different organizations or church denominations throughout the world. So I was working with the partner in the Philippines, the United Church of Christ in the Philippines, uh, specifically in their areas of justice, peace, and human rights. So focused on the uh, human rights violations and how the church responds to protecting their communities and upholding their prophetic mission to sort of bring about the good news in their country. Um, I'm home now for some homestay and being able to speak with churches here in the U.S. about the Philippines and how we can support uh, our siblings in Christ around the world. Wonderful. Well, um, so great all, all of what you're what you're doing through that. Can you tell us a little bit about um, 
how you um, got into that kind of, of ministry and then kind of sharing about um, when you went to the Philippines and kind of your story through the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so before going to the Philippines, I was in, in the Peace Corps. So I was I, I think I built those skills in that time of being able to connect to communities that, uh, you know, experience the world differently, but still have that very much human connection. So I was looking to what, what would be the next step in my vocational journey and joining Global Ministries was a part of that. And I think it's part of an overall trajectory of uh, the disciples tagline for their church is like a movement of wholeness in a fragmented world. Which I really like, which has a, a lot of like healing and holistic nature to it. It's companies uh, encompasses a lot of different ways of engaging the world. It's not just about um, you know one thing. It's about justice. It's about healing. It's about community, and uh, being a part of that global community is very important to me. So that's what took me to the Philippines. Um, but I, I got to the Philippines at a very unique and interesting time. So I got there early March of 2020, which we all know in the timeline of the past year or so of, that's about when the world changed. So I, I arrived with only just a couple of weeks before pandemic regulations and lockdowns really sort of took over uh, my time in the Philippines. So really shaped trying to join a new community, make relationships while social distancing and wearing masks and working from home and being in a new environment. It's all a very strange time to sort of create that uh that new beginning as you're trying to be intentional about community, but also keep people safe as well. Yeah. And in another culture, different language. Um, What was it like in the Philippines? What was it like during COVID? I mean, what would kind of give us a picture? Yeah. So there's some pros and cons to how the Philippines responded to uh, the pandemic. So, and sort of broadly within, I would say, sort of East Asian or Southeast Asian cultures, the masks already are a part of public health policy. People who are sick wear masks as sort of a protection for their neighbors. They've experienced other outbreaks in that region. Even pollution, people wear masks. So there wasn't a hard as push in the resistance as you might have seen in our own country of, you know, the the limiting of freedoms or whatever people want to call it about the the mask wearing that we went through. So that was at least one benefit that uh, Filipino communities were more welcome and opening to that that concept of like this is a way to protect our communities because we've done this before. Mm-hmm. Um, the the flip side though is that the current government administration in the Philippines is uh, you know a rise of authoritarianism is really uh, exploiting of power and uses a lot of violence to control communities and maintain a status quo. And the pandemic, unfortunately, has been a way to just sort of amplify those measures in sort of the guise of health decrees. It's a way for the government and their their military to continue to crack down on communities that uh, they don't think agree with them. So uh, it's been some pretty strict lockdowns, um, complete lockdowns, like not even allowed to leave your, your homes, quarantine passes to go on the street, um, arrests, um, and then even... Uh, against the church and people who are trying to provide community aid if they weren't following you know the quote-unquote pandemic regulations it was a it was a way for them to arrest human rights leaders or pastors or activists Mm -hmm. who are working within their community but they could use sort of this oh you're going against the pandemic so um it's a a disturbing reality that you know health and concern isn't the top priority from the philippine government instead it's kind of a way to continue their violent uh, exploitation. So 
that's part of the work that I'm doing with the church is about how do we resist this and how do we continue to provide um, that helping hand to our neighbors, um, even during and despite of uh, pandemics. Mm-hmm. And where were you living specifically? Yeah, so I was living in uh, central Visayas, which is like the central region of the Philippines in the city of Cebu, which is the second largest city in the Philippines. Um, and there's some challenges to that in type of environment. Um, so Manila, the capital, is the most densely populated city in the world. Um, so how do you do these pandemic regulations of stay at home or social distancing when densely populated slums exist you know you, you can't the the sort of solve all answers don't work that same way mm-hmm. and the unfortunate thing is that there wasn't creative and appropriate like culturally appropriate responses that have been developed so mm-hmm. some of those solutions that were sort of broadly worked don't work when you start applying it to some specific situations so and the city i was in is also very large and so it's about you know trying to maintain these large dense populations so. wow so um what what was the church's response or what what were they able to do yeah the, so during this yeah that's a good way of phrasing of what were they able to do because a lot of it was locked down by the government um, and yeah. restricted um so initially a lot of it was about direct food assistance because ultimately that's really what needed to happen to keep communities alive and healthy and safe was just uh, you know, people's livelihoods were stripped away from them and, you know, public transportation was shut down. So all of the transit drivers, there's di- these different sectors that the church uh, saw and then targeted intentionally, which was, I think, one of the best ways uh, to do that. If you're going to provide direct assistance is to not uh, to think about communities events specifically affected and how can you be very intentional about. So that was one of the early responses. Um, and then a lot of protesting as well. So similar to how we saw in the United States about, you know, racial protests, especially over the uh, last summer that, um, you know, we have centuries of history that have oppressed and killed our black and brown communities in our country. Same in the Philippines, centuries of, you know, authoritarian and colonial exploitation that uh, the pandemic is deadly, but so is that those uh, centuries of uh, history and policy. So they don't negate each other. So still a lot of protesting you know, out during the pandemic, out making their voices heard that, you know, just because this is an unsafe health situation doesn't mean that we're going to let these policies slide by. So the church was very active in a lot of those things as well, um, which I think is powerful to be to be that voice in a country where that's uh, a minority and can often be targeted because of uh, violent means as well. So mm-hmm. Were the leaders of that or people involved um, were there consequences for their being out? And yeah, so in the Philippines, there's a still the practice of red tagging, sort of like the old McCarthyism of the United States, where we would red tag communist actors or you know artists, and we would call them communists, and they'd sort of be put on this list by you know Senator McCarthy. Sort of that U.S. era still extends to the Philippines to this day, and there's this heavy practice of targeting organizations and individuals and associating them with communist rebels or communist insurgents Mm -hmm. so the uccp is red tagged so they're seen by the government as being potentially dangerous being potentially terrorists Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's a way to sort of monitor or control them and restrict their speech so Mm -hmm. that is an active part of uh the consequences of being that sort of prophetic witness within the philippines that the Mm -hmm. uccp has continues to strive um 
So it's it's a it's a problem, but it's also in, in response to that. That's why they continue to do that. So it's both the motivation and the consequence of it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow that that really um, sheds light on a lot of uh, what kind of the work that you do and just how important it is. Um, really, really important work. Yeah, I think it it weighs it weighs heavy and differently when you know you know as your your faith and your your view of your discipleship into the world is seen as terrorism by your government. That's not something that we experience here in the United States, really, especially within mm-hmm. uh, you know mainstream Protestant churches. Uh, though we may disagree, we are not being you know actively violently targeted by our our governments, and so. I think that's where that solidarity then comes into really powerful play about how do we accompany and walk alongside our siblings in Christ who are putting their bodies on the line to make sure that their communities are protected. And then what does that call for us to do for our own communities here about stepping outside of our comfort zones, looking to ways to be beyond just sort of the safe places that we've established as a church in our country, and maybe being more of that prophetic witness as well here in the United States as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like you have a very unique perspective living outside of the U.S. and and seeing different church communities and how they live out the call um, of being followers of Jesus in, in their communities. Yeah, yeah, a lot of lessons yeah. we can learn from how people yeah. respond to the gospel and yeah. um, how can we apply it to our lives. And the Philippines and the U.S. have such a long shared complicated history together anyways so what is our complicity and role within you know the philippines current situation anyways and that's something that i didn't know a lot about before going mm-hmm. and one of the gifts that i think i i am having right now is being able to share that information with communities here in the united states about here's how our how we've played a role in that country here's how we continue to shape their their system and how can we make that different? How do we want to live out our values uh, differently in not just our own communities, but throughout the whole world? So, and just personally, um, I'm interested too in, for yourself, what was um, your experience um, going through this pandemic um, and maybe some of the challenges that what was, what was the hardest things that you came up against? Yeah, I think some of the challenges is that it was a, um, you know, the the safe responses of working from home and some of those things was the appropriate response to a pandemic, but the harder response when you're trying to meet people in a brand new country that you're trying to create this relationship. So that was probably the hardest part for me that it was, um, you know, the pandemic was very isolating in many ways for different people, for the stay-at-home orders and not being able to see folks. But it felt especially amplified because I didn't have any exist pre-existing relationships to fall back on or even didn't know what environment to navigate, even the physical environment or, you know, where a grocery store is. So some of those things of being able to not have the colleagues or friends help me navigate that situation plus you know a new landscape and culture was it's a becomes a very isolating experience um because you want to do the safe thing but you also don't have those connections so mm-hmm. um which took a lot more energy and a, a proactive 
engagement, but even that, you know, still is a, a process that can be hard when you can't do it how you normally would is, you know, around shared meals or around, uh, you know, even shared worship spaces, those sort of normal ways that we might connect to people. How do you reshift and reimagine? And then some of the other challenges was that there wasn't the same access to internet also. So it's like, it took us a while to sort of be able to get the funds out to churches and have them set up their own Zooms and Wi-Fi. So just also the the establishment of, you know, the new normal, the new protocols just took a while too. So it was a very slow and isolating process for much of it. So Yeah. How long would you say it, it took to sort of be able to connect and and bring some of the churches up to a level where they where they could use Zoom and yeah, probably um, to get sort of churches online that weren't just in the metro areas, you know, probably was six to eight months wow. after the pandemic began to really get people on the same page and wow. being able to make it an effective experience that people could still connect to different communities and uh, those types of things. So, and then, you know, the, the pandemic has ebbed and flowed in the United States, but especially even bigger swings in the Philippines. So, mm-hmm. uh they continue to have a lot of lockdowns and regulations that hinder some of the process as well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like a lot, a lot stricter. Yes. Too. Yeah. yeah. What helped you get through this? Very isolating, and yeah, it sounds very challenging. Yeah, um, a lot of it was about being intentional and putting. Uh, being active and how I wanted to connect with community either in the Philippines or with people back here. So uh, I was in the Peace Corps and it wasn't quite the same environment because we didn't have quite the same access to internet. But, you know, my uh, this past year during the pandemic, my family would do game nights over Zoom and we would I would, uh, you know, connect with friends. It was, and I was much more intentional about it. And it's something I was looking for. It's like I didn't do the same process while I was in the Peace Corps. It was, you know, there was moments of isolation during that too. And uh I think as the pandemic was happening, people were realizing, like, we have these tools at our disposal. We can be much more intentional and active about uh, creating those communities, even if it's not, like, the ideal way. So that was, that was something I really had to prioritize and mm-hmm. uh, make sure to give time to. Um, and with that, with those game nights, and then also be creative. Like, you know, it's that, like, there are, there are ways that we can make this a powerful and interesting experience that is... Once again, maybe not the ideal, but still can have a you know a profound impact. And so, mm-hmm. um, and I, I know like a lot of the pandemic, people talked about this is our new normal, or we want to get back to normal. And it just it seemed also like an opportunity, rarely seen, that this was a chance for us to reset in a way that was different, reset in ways that were more uh, community centered, more about the values we had. And so, I really wanted to try to think about. I don't want to. I don't want to rush back into what's what's been done. What's ways that we can think that we have the chance to pause. Let's pause and think about it. So mm-hmm. uh, those are ways that I think I helped me sort of get through and maintain that wellness of being um, wanting to take advantage of things that I hadn't taken advantage of before and find ways to connect with people that, you know, we were all sort of in this same boat. And so being... Uh, yeah being intentional about that relationship building so yeah yeah that that's that's pretty unique that everyone around the world right. <laughs> was really dealing with the same thing 
Um, and so prioritizing those relationships and family game night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's bring back the family game night. Right, yeah. 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 And I think uh like joy felt like joy joy felt deeper, love felt deeper. Um I think we even talked about this about when we had our advent devo with hope that like mm-hmm. these messages that we hear through the church or through life that like when those casual moments are stripped away, then you like those profound moments of joy where you really had to put in the effort and you really had to find and like the smiles you see even across the screen just felt I felt them more profoundly than I think I'd felt them before because they've mm-hmm. they've seemed like they meant more in an environment where we were so distanced and we were so isolated. So mm-hmm. and joy almost felt radical in a way, just like sort of prioritize relationships, prioritize family and friends. Mm-hmm. Uh which isn't what our society and cultures always encourage us to do. So it felt very much like good healing and revitalizing for the soul to like prioritize that as a as a way to endure the pandemic yeah was there any time during your uh time in the in the philippines where it felt kind of hopeless or you felt um less hopeful yeah i would definitely say that um especially when it felt like I couldn't also do anything uh, about it, which I know is a uh, a hard feeling we all struggle with, but then especially when it's uh, so severely restricted and so, and you're trying, you're in this new community and so you want to be part of what's happening. And so there was times where that was yeah, especially challenging of, uh, I feel inactive, I feel hopeless i feel like sort of i'm i'm stuck in this this place where i don't have that same connection and how do i move forward and that was uh i think a pandemic and new environment kind of combined together to make that sort of sort of uh stuck sort of in this limbo space of how do i move forward where's the hope for the next you know the next day the next week sort of things yeah yeah can you remember a time where you you were feeling that stuckness and then something shifted in you um was there a, a moment when yeah. when you felt more hope i think it was about um well some of it was about recentering and reimagining what it means to be part of a community and that it's not just about being active and it's not just about you know having to do something and so uh, my partners in the Philippines were, you know, concerned of my safety and there was and all those things. So part of that social isolating and that uh, loneliness came with, you know, because of COVID precautions. So trying to reframe that and that helps definitely with. Um, and then starting to connect with uh, congregations in, in the U.S. about sharing them about how are the Philippines responding. And that was a way that both supported our partner's mission and gave me purpose and felt like, it was this, uh, you know, sort of global community. So that was a way of, um, this is a powerful moment where we're all experiencing, but how can I share it with others? So mm-hmm. that helped to sort of shift and reframe about there's purpose to being here and there's a reason why I've been called here and just kind of trusting that process a bit more. So Yeah, so you, you were able to see a new purpose yeah. or a sense of, yeah, 
there is a I am I am doing something here. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I could see how that would be really um challenging to feel like you hear you were called to this place and then you can't do the work. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and there's that yeah. like, like that excitement of getting somewhere new. Yeah, yeah. That, that just naturally comes with yeah. that, like that sort yeah. of transition, and then having it sort of quite literally physically locked down yeah. as a yeah. as a as a big halt. And so getting back to that, like, yes, there's a reason why I'm here. Yes, this is a strange yeah. time in the world, so things aren't going to happen the same way. So it might look differently, or it might even be less than I would hope for, but it has meaning and it has impact. So, yeah. When uh, when did you come back then to the states and tell us a little bit about that transition? How has that been for you? Yeah, so I got back uh, to Washington in February uh, to visit family, and then sort of um, as it was happening, the Philippines uh, had their their worst month of the pandemic was March of this past spring, and so mm-hmm. uh, it just didn't make sense to return back to an environment that would have been just as isolating as I had left, uh, where I could do that same type of work from here, but be with my family. So, um, which has been a real gift. Uh, it's been a, a weird hybrid of being both back, but also still, especially earlier winter of, you know, things still very much experiencing the pandemic pre-vaccine for most of us and all of that. So, uh, both excitement to be home, but also it's like still very much like you're stuck in one place. So, um, but now here that I'm back in the United States, I've been able to speak with a lot of congregations and church groups and share about uh, the Philippines and how our our faith calls us to engage with those issues. And so uh, it's got to be very busy that way, at least. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you've been able to continue your work here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and is your plan to go back to the Philippines eventually? Uh, it's up in the air about what's the best <laughs> the best stage for both myself and about my own wellness as well and my own health and uh, what would be a service to the partner and uh, and it's so it's it's an evolving conversation of what that will look mm-hmm. like. So at this moment, it's not really in the works to probably go back anytime soon. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. So yeah, yeah. As you are connected back with. Um, with with the churches back in the Philippines, how are they doing? Yeah, like I said, this this spring has been a challenge with the, a, a rise of uh, COVID cases and the sort of a delayed um, vaccine response. But that we see that on a global scale, sort of you know, vaccine deployment has favored white and Western nations, and so that does no service to any of us, uh, just as a country and as a world. But never mind the Christian responsibility of you know actually caring for our Sibling, so it's still very much in the throes of how uh, the pandemic is affecting. And then, um, like I mentioned earlier, the government continues to sort of exploit this opportunity to pass more laws that are uh, extend military power and reach and other things. So it's a it's a troubling circumstance uh, as those two forces get a sort of work together in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm interested. Andrew, if you have any, um, as you're still, I know you're still processing all of this, but if there's anything that you feel like you've learned about holding um, your global Christian 
you know, responsibility and your personal safety and and being here yeah. um, back in the U.S. What you know, what you've learned about yourself or others, and um, yeah, I think uh, you know we have such a messy, both in the beautiful and uh, the bad ways, relationships to communities around the world. And I think that's something. I've really tried to lean into and emphasize with both how I see the world and in my work as well that that we have we have a role to play on both our local and global scale and that seems um, even more vitally important as we see things that affect the entire world you know as a pandemic as a virus affects all of us how do we have these relationships that um, our world is much more intertwined than we ever really like to think of or try to imagine because uh, it can be overwhelming to start to sort of pull out those threads um uh but i think that's something i've, I've really tried to emphasize in my my own way of engaging with uh how are trends similar how are similar justice movements similar how are similar uh, systems of oppression being resisted um i think my, for myself too like i kind of mentioned earlier about how can we be creative moving forward too about what's uh our response as a church, our response as individuals, response as, you know, the hands and feet of God. Uh, this is our chance to not want a status quo to be our response to this post-pandemic, sort of this as things open up. How can we how can we continue to think creatively and respond to our world more specifically and directly? So which is also challenging and can be overwhelming as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you raising the the questions and encouraging the the creativity. And it would probably be very easy just to kind of fall back into old patterns and and not want to change or or yeah. look look at what what we has what's been exposed mm-hmm. through this time. Yeah. Well, anything else that you want would like to share? Uh, no, just, it's been great to have this conversation and about yeah. uh, the wild world that we live in, both here in the U.S. and in the Philippines. So. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for for sharing. Um, so you're you're so great at articulating uh, both your mission there in the Philippines and and also reflecting on uh, just what it means to be. Um, a person of faith in the world. And uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Hope we'll hear more from you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. A blessing for Andrew and getting unstuck. Andrew, he went to the Philippines full of energy and enthusiasm to do the work of justice and peace, only to find yourself within weeks locked down in a new place, speaking a different language, cut off from your community, isolated and alone during a pandemic. When you are in lockdown, how do you even begin to join a new community? It was a struggle just to know where to go to the grocery store. Not being able to connect except by limited internet access, you were isolated and alone in an unfamiliar place. It felt pretty hopeless. 
You felt stuck. But you began to choose to hope, even when you didn't feel it or see it. Andrew, you became intentional about reaching out with family game nights over Zoom, and you began to reset slowly and pause to think about what is most important. You realized that you are not alone, that we truly were all in this together. Your joy felt deeper. Love felt deeper. Smiles across the screen meant more. Joy felt radical. When things are not in your control and you find yourself in a dark place, feeling stuck and hopeless, Andrew, you encourage us to recenter and ask, how do we step outside of our own comfort zones and reach out? Our world is more entwined than we ever imagined. So in this world, how can we be the hands and feet of God? Andrew, you are a prophet among us, raising questions, encouraging our creativity. Thank you for your passion, your courage, and may you continue to lean into your calling, even through a pandemic, finding purpose, meaning, and creative movement that brings hope. Thanks again for listening. Join us again next week for an interview with Ben Shervin, who did his first year of college from home. As always, we want to thank Cody Schumann for the excellent editing and production of this podcast. Mm-hmm.